Hello and welcome aboard. I am your captain, Dr. Tony Jones, along with my beautiful wife, Lady Jaquetta Jones. We want to welcome you to Exceptional Leadership, where we discuss all things leadership, from the White House to your house, from our educational systems to current events. If it involves leadership, come on aboard and let's talk. Thank you for joining us again. Today we are revisiting the island of love to answer the question, if God loves us, then why does he allow bad things to happen to us? Now before we dock, our psychological term for today, blame shifting. It is related to psychological projection and denial. Blame shifting is revealed by one shifting their undesirable mental notions and emotional notions onto another person. The individual is defended against having to be aware of and accountable to their own personal thought process. In other words, individuals who blame shift shift their thought process as well as their actions onto someone else. This has been a part of humanity since the very beginning. As we know, when the serpent beguiled or seduced Eve and God found them in the garden, God asked Adam, what is it that you have done after he took up the forbidden fruit? Adam shifted the blame to Eve. Adam said, God, it's your fault. It's the woman that you gave me. It's her fault because she ate of the fruit and she gave it to me. And Eve shifted the blame to the serpent. God is the serpent. Well, you put him in the garden, so it's your fault as well. We're always shifting our blame because we don't want to be responsible for our thought process nor for our actions. Well, we're going to answer the question. If God loves me, then why does he allow bad things to happen to me? Or if God loves us, why does God allow bad things to happen to us? Boy, that's a great question. I, I, I know folk have had that question. I know you've asked yourself or someone that doesn't believe in God or someone that left God because of a tragedy that happened in their life and they are blaming God for that tragedy. So they are saying, if God loves me, if God loved my family so much, if God loved my daughter so much, why COVID-19? If God loves, why this? And why is that happening? Why did the Mack truck hit the baby? Now, I'm going to talk to the Christian community as well as the secular community. I want to say this. First of all, God loves you. Here's a banner that we see hanging up on the baseball fields on the football fields, in the basketball arenas, and it reads, For God so loved the world. It did not say, For God so loved the church. It did not say, For God so loved a particular denomination, but for God so loved the cosmos. The cosmos is everything and everyone in it. That means, For God so loved the murderer. For God so loved the rapist. For God so loved the child molester or whatever the most, or whatever the most hideous thing 
or crime you could think of. God did not love the action. God did not love the crime, but God loved the people of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. The key word here is that whosoever. But he did this. For God so loved the world that whosoever. But he did this and she did that and she's a it and he's a that. It did not matter. For God so loved the world that whosoever, not what they did, not when they did it, but who did it. God says, I love the person, and God was given an opportunity, open arms to anyone that would say, I'm a whosoever. Yes, I did this, but I am not what I did. I am a whosoever. That whosoever believed on him should not perish, but God would give them everlasting life. The next verse, the 17th verse says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn. That word condemn in the Greek means to judge to pass sentence. God sent not his son into the world to pass sentence on the world, but that the world through him might be saved. One more Greek word from there. That Greek word save is sozo. Sozo means to be delivered. It means to be healed. It means to be rescued. It means to be protected. So God loved the world so much, even if the world didn't love him back. Even if you're one that says, I don't believe in God, God loved you so much that he gave not just any son, but he only had one son. The The truth is this. I could be the best person, the sweetest person, the greatest person you know. And if my life was on the line, you would not give one of your children up for my life. You don't love me that way. But God loved you in spite of, listen to what he, listen to what he said. God so loved the world. He was preemptive. God gave his son before you were guilty of any crime. God loved you so much. He loves the world so much that not just the people that have committed serious crimes that have violated his laws in the past, but those to come in the future. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He bankrupt heaven because of his love for you and gave all that he had, his only son, to become sin in your place. The second thing I want to talk about is love is more than an emotional feeling. I know that's going to probably move some people off of their comfort zone. But love is not how I feel. You see, we say if God loves us, in other words, if God has this feeling for us, then why does he allow these things to happen to us? We're going to answer that question. Love is more than an emotional feeling. We think love is how we feel. Love is a commitment. Love is an action. You can say I love you all you want, but if you have not been preactive, not if you have not shown me with your actions that you love me, then your words fall on deaf ears because making the statement that I love you does not necessarily produce the feeling that people want. The feeling is not the result of love. Love is an action. Love is a commitment. Love is a legal term. To understand this, I need to take you to Matthew, the 22nd chapter in the 34th verse, where 
a conversation between a lawyer and Jesus takes place. Matthew 22, starting at verse 34, reads this way. But when the Pharisees had heard that he, Jesus, had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, what is the greatest commandment? This is a legal question. The word commandment there in the Greek means injunction. What is the greatest injunction placed on the planet by God? Not by anyone, because the word commandment there also means prescription. It is illegal for anyone to prescribe prescriptions without license. So the lawyer is becoming legalistic with Jesus. He says, number one, God is the only one authorized to prescribe prescriptions. God is the only one authorized to put an injunction on the planet. So what is God's greatest injunction? What is, what is God's greatest prescription in the law? Jesus answered him and said unto him, thou shalt love God's prescription, God's legal injunction on the planet for the planet to be successful is thou shall L-O-V-E, thou shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. This is the first and great prescription. This is the first and great injunction. This is the legal binding commitment that God has placed in the planet. L-O-V-E. I need you to remember that. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt L-O-V-E, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, on these two prescriptions, on these two injunctions, hang all the law and all the prophets. Jesus said that everything that we've been trying to teach you from Genesis to now is about L-O-V-E. It's about how to love. The word injunction is defined as an authorized warning or order, a judicial order that restrains a person from beginning or continuing an action, threatening or invading the legal right of another. God's injunction on the planet after Adam made the mistake that he made was that we should love one another. Your daily prescription given by God himself, is to love me. Everything that God has been trying to do good in this planet is based on that one prescription. So the question is, when you got up this morning, did you take your dose of L-O-V-E? Well, John 15 and 10 starts off by saying, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. The word abide means remain. If you keep my commandments, if you keep this prescription, if you keep this injunction, you shall remain in my love. So what if I don't keep it? The word if dictates that this is a conditional statement. I know that is upsetting to many. It is saying that there is a condition to this promise. And there are those that we don't want love to cost us anything. We want love just to cost. We want love to cost God and we want love to cost others, but it should not cost us anything. But he said, if you 
remain if you keep my commandments. Then, only if you keep them, if you keep the prescription, all the commandments hang upon if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, if you love your neighbor as yourself. There is self-care included in love. Self-care is not selfish. He said, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even if I even even as I have kept my father's commandments and I abide, I remain in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Then he said, and in case you don't understand what my commandment is, he says it again. This is my commandment. This is my prescription. This is my injunction that ye love one another as I, not that you love one another the way you want, to love one another, but that you love one another as I have loved you. I love you because of who I am, not because of what you do or what you don't do. That's how God loves me. And God says the injunction, the prescription for love means I love you not because of the way you dress. I love you not because of the choices you made. I love you not because of who or what you did or didn't do, but I love you because of who I am. That is the prescription. That is the love pill that God asks me to partake of every day. And then he says this, greater love has no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. I know this may sound redundant from a previous podcast, but I need to put a pin in it. Love by definition is not what I can get from you, but what I can give to you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man would give up something for his friend, that a man would give of his life for someone else's life. My third point is this. Why, if God is love, that does he allow bad things to happen to us? We need to understand that God is sovereign. He is the great architect, the great designer. God is sovereign. It simply means that God has the authority to put laws and principles in motion. You see, we've been taught that God is busy right now doing things. That if you call upon God, you got your little bell, your prayer is a bell that rings. And when you ring your bell, God do this, ding, ding, ding. God do that, ding, 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 that God is going back and forth from heaven to earth doing things. That is not a true statement. In Ephesians 1 and 11, it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worked all things after the counsel of his own will. In Colossians 1 and 16, it reads, For by him, God, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven, and that are in earth, and visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. God is sovereign. He is sovereign, which means he can predestine, and we have to understand predestination. When I talk about predestination, uh, predestination is defined as to limit in advance, that is to predetermine, to determine before, ordain, to predestine means to set boundaries and laws. 
Whether you believe in God or not, most people believe in Newton's third law of motion, which is for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Literally, what Newton was saying is that our actions produce reactions or they activate rewards or consequences. If I clap my hand, that was a predestined action. Predestination does not just talk about where we are going to spend eternity. God, when he speaks of predestination, is saying, I have set laws and principles in action. If you jump off of a house, you activate gravity. God didn't do that. You did. Your action activated gravity. If you eat the wrong food, and your body has a chemical reaction, that wasn't God. Your action produced a positive or negative chemical reaction. That's not God. That is because there are laws in the earth. Whether you believe God put them there or the laws just simply came from the Big Bang, there are laws in the earth. Now, let's revisit the question. If God loves us, then why does he allow bad things to happen to us? Boundaries is another definition for laws. Boundaries are not set up biblically to keep you in or to keep you confined, but they're set up to keep the devil out, to keep you protected. There are boundaries. You don't stick your finger into an electric wall socket. That socket is placed over the outlet, not to keep you inside of your house, but to keep your house from frying you on the inside of the house. Boundaries are set up to protect us. You did not take the prescription and so you died from high blood pressure. Is that God's fault? The doctor said that you had cancer, but you refused to believe. You refused to stay on your medication. Your action of not taking the medicine produced a reaction in your body. Your action of drinking and driving, you crossed the boundary. You stepped outside, you stepped outside of the boundary of drinking and driving. So your action caused you to get into a Mack truck and to run over a child, to murder a family. And we want to blame it on God because we don't want to be accountable for our actions. You see, the principle works whether you believe in God or not, if you believe that you're your own God, then the principle is solidified in your own personal belief that if something happens bad, you are the reason that it happened. You are the one that dropped the pebble in the water that started to ripple. And so the tsunami is a result of man's actions and not God's. There's a predestined law of sowing and reaping. It simply means whatever you sow into the ground, that is what you'll reap. If you put apple seeds into the ground, you'll get apple trees. If you put love in the ground, you'll get love trees. If you put hatred in the ground, you'll get hatred. Whatever you sow into the ground, if man is a product of earth, then man's body is what we call a garden. And whatever you sow into that garden will cause a harvest in your home will cause a harvest on your job, will cause a harvest in your team room. Whatever you sow into the garden, you're reaping what you've sown. If the marriage is not what it's supposed to be, ask yourself what kind of seeds have you been sowing. The predestined law of sowing and reaping gives us a closer look at why bad things happen. The earth responds to our actions. 
the earth responds to our seeds. Seeds somewhere in this planet were put in the ground that produced COVID-19, that produced whatever virus that came up. The seeds produce AIDS. Whatever seeds, the, the law of sowing and reaping, it is a predestined law. Dogs don't produce cats. Lions don't produce elephants. Giraffes don't produce fish. The seed produces what the seed is. So if there is something, if so, if there is someone to blame for bad things happening, it is not the God of the universe. It's the inhabitants of the universe. God never created the earth as a place for him to rule, but for man to rule. That means that man is in charge of the planet. And again, this is if you believe that man is his own God, or if you believe that man is a product of the one and only true God, man is responsible for what happens on the planet earth. So if you're going to blame someone, if you're going to point the finger, if you're going to get upset with someone, ask yourself this, are you walking in love? Because if you love me, you wouldn't be violating my space during this COVID-19 epidemic. And if you say, I, I, I don't believe in God, well, you're still responsible because you're your own God. And by definition, God's a sovereign. And if man believes that he's his own God, then man makes his own mess. And man should be the one to clean up his own mess. Join us again next week as we travel to the island of faith and leadership. Until next time, God bless. Well, that's it for today's excursion. Be sure to stay on board as we continue to meet interesting people and learn about their culture of leadership. Until next time, have an exceptional day.